This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. Check out their interactive workshops, events, leadership coaching blog, and more at www.kingdomatwork.com or follow them on all major social media platforms. Kingdomatwork.com. Hey, welcome to iWorkroom as we broadcast to you today from Austin, Texas. And we want to just thank you for tuning in today. Whether you're listening in the First Coast area of Jacksonville, St. Augustine, or Folkestone, Georgia, or in Tampa Bay from south of Ocala to north of Fort Myers to all the way over to Disney, or maybe you're listening to us on iHeartRadio or perhaps the podcast, however you hear the show today, just know it is always our heart and our prayer that something we say today on the show will cause you to dig deeper in your faith and that connecting what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your nine because your workplace is your mission field. You know, I don't know if you've realized this or not, but the churches in greater America are not getting more and more full. They're getting less and less full. But does that mean that the church is not growing? I don't think so. Is it because the gospel message is no longer relevant? I don't think so. Is it because people in the churches aren't nice? I don't think so. The issue is relevance and it is community. The people we all work around are all searching for hope and answers to the gnawing pain in their gut. They just don't know that walking through those front doors of the church is going to introduce them to the solution. So how do we introduce them to the solution? Jesus Christ, we got to do it in our workplace. We've got to do it to those we work around and help them experience real community and family that they would find in church. But why can't we bring it into our homes? Why can't we bring that community into our workplaces? You know, how about your small group? Whatever that looks like, we want you to hear about it today. Today in I Work For Him, as we broadcast from Sidera Health's World Headquarters, well, it's the national, international headquarters, well, it's the national headquarters right here in Austin, Texas, at their brand new building. It's fantastic. We're talking with Tony and Felicity Dale. These guys are both former doctors from the UK. They're missionaries. Uh, they're both authors. Uh, Felicity, wife, mother, grandmother, Tony, husband, and Dad and grandfather Tony and Felicity Dale, welcome back to I Work for Him together. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's, it's a delight a, to be here. It's not often that Tony likes to share the microphone with you, Felicity. We've been trying all year long to get you. I'm glad we get you together around the conference room in Tony's office. It's fantastic. So before we get really started in the conversation about the power of of small groups and and bringing the experience of Jesus wherever we go, because. 65% of the population is not walking through the doors of the church. Let's get personal. How have you guys seen the Lord move in your life personally recently? How has it impacted? Felicity, we'll start with you. How have you seen the Lord work in your life recently, just in miraculous ways? Well, this one, I think, is a miracle in, in, in the works. I certainly haven't seen the result of it yet. So um, about, uh, oh, maybe three months ago, uh, we we need some work done on our house, and uh, so we invited in an architect and two builders to come and look and see what it was going to cost and what we could what we could do. And um, all three of them, quite independently, said, "Move." Well, we have always known that the Lord um, the Lord leads and directs us really clearly when it comes to moving to a house. So, for our present house, for example. Uh, this was about 18 years ago, the Lord gave it to us in an absolutely miraculous way. We um, we were living in a regular-sized house. We needed to uh, – we were running our business from the house. We were beginning to break all the zoning laws because we had so many people working from our house. And so we we said to the Lord, Lord, um, you know, what, what should we do? And as an exercise in futility one day – 
uh, we were on a plane, we wrote down the 10 things we most wanted in a house and um, didn't think too much more about it except kept the sheet of paper. About two months later, uh, Tony's mum came round and she said, uh, you need to pray for this particular couple because their house is about to um, go into foreclosure. Well, we knew the couple, but we'd never seen the house. We went out for a barbecue that evening and... Um, uh, the, the, the wife happened to be there that the, the couple this house belonged to. And so we asked her to tell us about the house and she listed down the 10 things that we'd written on our sheet of paper. <laughs> and, uh, and then we went, we came, came to see the house and we thought, well, maybe, maybe not. But Lord, on a decision this huge, uh, we really need to hear from you clearly. And so we asked him for four things. We asked him for something from his word. We asked him for uh, confirmation from friends, from peace in our heart. And then we asked for something supernatural. Well, the first three came fairly quickly. And the fourth one, we weren't sure how it was going to happen. But uh, a couple that we knew from England who were actually, um, we, we, they, were, they were friends and they weren't friends. I had met them once, Tony hadn't, but they'd taken over leadership of a church that we ran in England. So we had all the same friends, we knew the area, mm. so on. And they, they were visiting uh, the States for the first time. They were in Georgia and they said, we'd like to come and see you. And they drove for a weekend from Georgia to Austin. We told them the situation about the house. And... Um, the, uh, the morning before they were due to leave, um, they they said, do you think there's any chance we could go and see this house you've been telling us about? And they uh, We called up the, the couple and they said, absolutely, come on over. And so we walked in the front door and the wife turned to us and she said, do you know this girl? And she mentioned a name that we'd never, we'd never heard of her. But our friends who were missionaries in Greece, who were visiting the States for the first time, said, you don't mean this particular girl. And it turned out that this girl, uh, she, she also lived in Greece. She was part of the same church, part of the same home church. They saw her every day. And we said, okay, Lord, that is enough confirmation that we will take this house. So when this, these three people, uh, you know, three months ago said to us, you need to move, we thought, well, okay, Lord, maybe this is you. And so we started looking. The very first house we saw we liked the look of, um, we saw it on a Saturday. We arranged to see it with our kids on the Sunday, and it sold on, sold on the Saturday night. Mm. And so this the one house that we've ever seen that we liked <laughs> as much as the house that we live in, uh, you know, sold. And so we're saying, okay, Lord, well, what's all this about? You know, uh, wh what are you doing? And uh, then we, we also have a team of intercessors who pray for our business. And uh, they, it wasn't really out of the blue, but it was certainly not expected, basically came to us with a... Uh, the land that you live on, the house that you live in is, is sacred land. It's, it's holy. Uh, effectively, stay where you are. So, you know, whatever, which is what we're doing at the moment, although we're still not entirely sure, we're very, very aware God's leading. We don't know quite what, what the outcome's going to be. But it's it's just a, it's an interesting process. I think we're learning more about how the Lord works because whereas often in the past his leading has been super clear, here it's slightly confusing. We're having to seek his face more. We're having to dig in, dig into his word. We're having to 
really try and listen to him mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll make the right decision when it comes down to it. So that's what the Lord's doing in, in our lives at the moment or in my life. Tony, what kind of color you want to add to that story? Because there's always a different perspective from the other side of the table. Yeah, I, th- I think the issue Felicity's putting her finger on is, you know, what, what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? You know, for, for as many as her you know, sons of God are, are led by, by, by the Lord. I can't remember exactly how it puts it, I think, in Romans 8. Or for as many as are led by the Spirit of the Lord, they are the sons, sons, of, God. sons yeah. of God. And learning to really follow God in important decisions, of which life is not primarily made up of important decisions. It's primarily made up of lots and lots of small decisions. Uh, but when you become sort of used to seeing that God is leading you in the small, you absolutely expect equal clarity in the large. And this is a large one that we're sort of currently struggling a bit with, not struggling in the sense of it being an anxiety point, but more, Lord, what, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we are, at, we are at a place of change. Um, God's blessed, and I don't know if we'll get on to, onto that, but you know, this sort of Thanksgiving time, we have so much to be thankful for with what he's doing in our companies, uh, with the many doors and opportunities he's opening to us. Uh, and if we were going to move, this would make sense. It would make sense now. Uh, but um, we're trying to make sure that we actually hear what the Lord has for us. And I think that's a battle for any Christ followers. Just like, okay, what does it really mean to follow? The, as you said so well. And But it is, the biggest key is if it's not clear, you don't move. And a lot of people are like, ah, Lord, I'm getting kind of tired of waiting. So I'm just going to go ahead and do things and we'll hope for the best. That's not a real good solution. We've got Tony and Felicity Dale in here today as we're talking about what, what, is, what is church really supposed to be? You know, is it really about the four walls or how do we be the church wherever we be during the day? These guys have been involved in the small church movement, the house church movement for decades. And I wanted you guys to get a little feel for it. And Felicity's written incredible books. Felicity, you wrote a book, Small is Big. Un- intentionally unleashing the intentionally oh boy i choose it unleashing the intentionally see if i can get it intentionally small the power of the intentionally unleashing the power of intentionally small churches mm-hmm. i got it okay <laughs> i do not have it in front of me uh, we've given away hundreds of copies of that book i've read it a couple of times talk about that book first because we want to give away a couple of copies today on the air we talk about that book why did you write this book and I know you wrote it along with George Barna, and Tony's got his name on there, but we know you really did most of the work. <laughs> well, that, that is indeed true. But, uh, <laughs> Tony but nobody, a, nobody told you that, Jim. <laughs> Tony did a great editing job. Excellent. <laughs> no, he, he definitely added to it a lot. We wrote this book uh, actually at the request of the publisher uh, because um, they had come across uh, another book I wrote called An Army of Ordinary People, which is a book of stories. I think they wanted something that was a little bit more theoretical than a book of stories. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, when when uh, we had the opportunity, George w- w- wanted to work with us on it. Uh, that seemed a good thing to do. So I hadn't planned to write another book, but I did sit down and write another one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what's the book about? Um, the book is about... Uh, house church movements, simple church movements, um, what, what God is doing, not, not just um, in this country, but around the world where extraordinary things are going on. And some of the principles involved in that, some of the uh, sort of principles that 
uh, we'll, we'll see multiplying house churches happen, particularly what uh, our passion is working with those who are not yet believers. So talk to me about the house church movement. What, what is that all about? Because, and is it happening here in the States? We, we all hear about small churches, the underground church in persecuted areas across the globe. But is the house, house church, the small church movement, is that active and alive here in the States? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, very definitely it is. Um, it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey. I think um, uh, maybe 10 years ago, uh, house church became uh, very much a fad. So, uh, you know, the house church movement started, but then uh, other churches heard about what, what God was doing, and a lot of them changed the name of their uh, small group structure to, to, uh, to call them house churches. And uh, I think a lot of it, them hadn't really caught the, some of the underlying principles of house church and how it, it really is so very different from the, the traditional church. Um, and so it, it sort of, uh, I think its numbers were inflated. I think that, that a lot of that has died down now, but what's left is a, a steady, solid, remaining core of what God's been doing. So let's talk about what is a house church? <laughs> what is a house church? Um, I, I think that, uh, the, the house church has a number of different names. So mm-hmm. some people call it house church, some people call it organic church, some people uh, might call it simple church. And I think each of those names uh, reflects a certain um, characteristic, a certain sort of principles of uh, what, what uh, is involved. So a uh, house church often meets in a house, doesn't have to. They meet anywhere and everywhere, anywhere life happens. So they meet in, in dorm rooms, in cafes, in restaurants or whatever, but often they meet in houses. Mm-hmm. Um, in Africa, they might meet under a tree. In India, they might meet in you know a little hut somewhere. But um, so so uh, it's a it's a a good name. People know what it means. It, it comes from the New Testament. You know, the church they met in in somebody's house. But uh, as a name by itself, it's a little bit limiting because it implies that you have to meet in a house, which absolutely sure. isn't true. A simple church is another name for it, and um, I think that reflects the. Uh, the simplicity of what goes on. So if something is going to multiply, it has to be simple. If something is complicated, it, it makes multiplication far more difficult. So we like to keep it not simplistic, but the pattern of what goes on simple. So we often say that we base that on Acts 2.42, where they came together for the apostles' doctrine, for fellowship, for breaking of bread, mm-hmm. and for prayer. And those four components often, um, a, a, a simple church meeting is often comprised of those four components. So people will get together for a meal. They'll spend time in the word. They'll spend time in fellowship. They'll spend time in prayer. Um, the other verse that we might use uh, comes in at, uh, 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six when it talks about each person having something, whether it's a song or whatever it might be. So that that implies the simplicity of something. It's not so difficult that it requires a professional to do it. In fact, we've seen, uh, personally, we've seen three-week-old believers quite capably leading something because they they know what to do. They know that maybe when you finish the meal, let's talk about what God's been doing in your life this week. Okay, we've finished that. Now let's let's study the word together and then let's pray for each other and pray for whatever it is that, you know, the Lord is laying on our hearts for this mm-hmm. week. So that's 
that's the the simple church. The organic church implies the um, the the non artificial nature of it, perhaps that these things they they go where they will. The Holy Spirit leads them. They multiply in ways that you might not expect, um, and, and in directions it's it's not programmed. It's organic. So th- that's the the sort of term. So, so Tony Dale, it's not about structure. It, it's and, and last time we were sitting around your your dinner table, we had a long conversation about this. It, it's not about a, a preconceived agenda or a, what's written in the bulletin. What is a what is a small church? house church simple church experience like that's you know that that's happening in your home i mean it, i mean this is something that's it's very different than what somebody might experience if they walk through the doors of a four walls church yes i i actually think it's really important that we don't think of church primarily as what happens in a gathering um, you know, if you were to, to look at Ephesians or Colossians or, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, books that really provide the bulk of the teaching in the New Testament on church, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about a building constructed with living stones. Um, uh, an English sociologist actually put stuff uh, really clearly uh, in a book he wrote, uh, which I believe was called Liquid Church. And if you think if you think of water, it comes in a variety of forms. It can be uh, it can be frozen, a block of ice. Uh, now, without out meaning anything critical by this, um, most churches would be more like a block of ice. Uh, God's frozen chosen. Uh, now, they're not really frozen, but, you know, you can go to that church, that block of ice, you know exactly where it is. It, mm-hmm. you're, you're happening something discreet. There's that block of ice. But if we now just melt that block of ice, it spreads out into any every crack and crevice of society. Uh, you know, you can picture what was church in a building. Now the people who are still the church, the, the living stones, they're out in their work. They're in their marriages. They're at the local soccer team. They're, uh, you know, uh, involved in a board meeting. That's still the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, you know, in what we're doing right here in this radio interview, you know, Jesus is here. Mm-hmm. Where two or three are gathered in his name, I am in the midst. Uh, and so when we stop thinking of church as a discrete event, more like the block of ice, and we think about it as distributed in the presence of God among his people, that's happening all the time, all over the place. So, you know, you, you said, well, sort of what's happening in your home? Well, maybe it's not happening in my home at all. Uh, you know, I often say to people when they say, well, where do you go to church? I say, well, oh, do you mean on Monday? Uh, well, on Monday, this is what I was doing. And I had lunch with these people. And, you know, this was the nature of the conversation. And these are the things we prayed about. And then on Tuesday and then on Wednesday. Or th- mm-hmm. and, and every expression is completely different. Yes. Because what you're looking for is the presence of Jesus among his people. Right. So you use the example. So, the, the, you know. H2O is in its frozen form is ice, in its liquid form is water. But what about when it's in its gaseous form? How do you draw that corollary to the church? Okay, well, uh, even water is relatively discreet. You can see it right here. But when you boil water, uh, for those who actually remember any of their sort of basic uh, physics and chemistry and stuff, uh, when it turns into steam, it becomes invisible. 
that's actually why when you uh, watch a kettle boiling, there's a little inch just above the spout you cannot see until that superheated steam begins condensing in the air, and then you can see the impact of the steam. Uh, but steam itself is actually invisible. Now, to me, that would be like the, the, the water under pressure uh, is now moving out, uh, and it's touching everything. Uh, even though everything can't see it. Okay, that, that's more like the, the parable of the, of the leaven, uh, where Jesus says, and you, you put that leaven in the lump, and it spreads out through the whole lump. So the believer, going out into the world, go ye into all the world. Okay, that doesn't just mean leaving the United States and going somewhere else, but it means go into your world. And when, uh, So as a Christ follower, are you gas? Are you frozen? Are you liquid in your faith? When we come back, we'll talk lots more with Tony and Felicity. These guys have been involved in simple church. They've been involved in small church, house church. The movement of the church that's outside of the walls, that, that it's just living and breathing. And Tony, right before the break, I asked you that question. Okay, so you, you talked about the frozen chosen. You talked about how when that when that ice melts and we spread out throughout our community, we make an impact. And then we talked about the, the gaseous form. What, what does that look like for us as Christ followers, you know, being a gas in our community, but, but not hot air? Okay, well, yeah, I, I, I thought it'd be good if we had a chance to hopefully clarify that uh, this isn't just hot air. Uh, uh, what we really love seeing, and Felicity mentioned this, we, we love working uh, with unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, in our companies, which we you know, are blessed and have the, the privilege of being involved in starting and leading, uh, nowadays you know, leading through other people, uh, it, it's an incredible privilege to realize that Uh, You can be creating places where it is easy for people to find Jesus. Okay, you know, there's that lovely chorus, you know, this is the air I breathe, your very presence, Mm -hmm. you know, living in me. Uh, Why wouldn't that be true at work? Why, why couldn't this be the air I breathe that, you know, as people come to work here, that God has given us responsibility for them. You know, the, the typical non-Christian has already made up their mind about whether or not church is relevant. And in a very sort of liberal cosmopolitan city like Austin, where we live, you know, this is the sort of liberal heart of Texas in the middle of a very conservative type state. Uh, and this is an awesome place for people to explore spirituality. Your typical Austinite has not made up their mind about Jesus. They've just made up their mind about what they perceive from what they've seen of church. But when you begin thinking of church as as people, as it were, walking in the presence of God, almost without realizing it, uh, but you're creating in a workplace, uh, an environment where it's easy for people to see, oh, this is what it means to follow Jesus. I think you're beginning to see that distributed sort of gaseous form, if we can call it that, of of water where everybody can be impacted by it. You know, and I think that um, just to kind of reiterate what we're talking about is this whole concept that, you know, we have we know a lot of people that for whatever reason, there's been a maybe a point in their life where they are afraid of the church, they are, have been hurt by the quote unquote church, and they just, they're not going to enter those doors. And so what are we going to do? Um, but more importantly, who are we going to be? Because this really smart man said to me on the radio a couple of months ago, 
not do church, but be the church. And I think that might have been Tony Dale, Jim. Might have been Tony Dale. <laughs> Felicity, you know, we've all, most of us have grown up in an environment where we're used to structured church, where somebody's in charge, where one person shares. What is a, what is a, what's the church really supposed to be like? I mean, what, what, what do you think it was like back in Acts when they all gathered together in somebody's house? Interesting question. I think it was... Uh, <laughs> was that, does that mean like I'd rather ask a different question, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was uh, like, like you described. It was much less structured. I think it was, um, it was sharing, sharing lives together. I know we have um, friends in India. They have church every morning before the day starts. And uh, it's, uh, they're, they're sharing their lives together. They're bringing... Uh, this is what God is doing in my life. This is what my day holds. Let's invite Jesus into it. They, many of them can't read. And so it's, it's a question of sharing and praying. And then, you know, there'll be some principles that they've been taught and they might discuss those. So I think, uh, you know, we, we, we have the, uh, the opportunity to travel quite a bit. And one of the things I often say to people is, you know, say, say we're in Nepal Church in Nepal should not look uh, American or British or Western. Mm -hmm. Church should look Nepalese. So if you bring that, uh, that into a, uh, a context where, you know, where we are here in the States, church should look relevant to whatever the group of people is that you're with. So you wouldn't ask, um, I don't know, a group of skateboarders, for example, to behave like, you know, what, what, what's going on in our normal churches, because it's totally irrelevant to them. It should be relevant to their culture, relevant to, to who they are and what they are. You're not asking them not to be skateboarders just because they now love Jesus. You, you're, so, so it needs to be relevant to the context mm -hmm. where the people are. So I think it, I think it has multiple expressions. And, um, yes, there are, yes, there are some principles involved, you know, like the verses that I mentioned earlier, but it's, it's going to look very, very different dependent on the context. Jesus is not limited by our, our traditional expressions of church. Yeah. He, he is far more creative. The Holy Spirit is far more creative than we are. And let's not limit him by saying he's got to do it this way, got to do it that way. When in fact, we actually tradition, I love traditions, mm -hmm. but we can sometimes take them for granted and they really lose their meaning. And so we don't even know why we do what we do. And so, you know, therefore the, the freshness of saying, you know what, I'm not going to put God in a box. Let God teach me what I'm supposed to be doing. So can we be the church? Can we bring, be this liquid church? Can we be this church that infiltrates the community? Can we celebrate church? Can we be the church in a workplace, Tony Dale? Well, absolutely. Uh, I mean, well, what does it look like though? Well, uh, it, it looks like, what are you being? Uh, and therefore in the workplace, uh, pretty much as within a traditional context, if you're not really being an authentic expression of Jesus, then you're not necessarily going to communicate his life and his love, um, you know, within the work context either. Uh, so one of the things that's in, very important to us and which we're certainly trying to, to learn how to live uh, in our own lives is how do we create an environment 
where it's absolutely natural. For example, you know, uh, an employee comes in and uh, is worried about something. There's a challenge going on at home. Uh, is it appropriate to put an arm around them and pray for them? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, just what I've said there raises questions in people's minds. Can you put an arm around a person? Uh, you know that there are those who would question. So, for example, I make sure that my door is always open because uh, I wouldn't want anyone to, to criticize. Uh, I, I, you know, in the I, literal environment I work in, uh, my assistant works in the room right there beside me and people come in through her room. So I make sure my door is always open for people. But may, maybe you, you need privacy. Uh, in which case, you know, in, in the privacy of the room, I might offer to pray, but I almost certainly would not give that person a hug uh, because I'm just trying to be sensitive to, to the realities of the society that we live in. Uh, but what what shows, I think the right word would be vulnerability, is when you begin to be real about yourself, for example, by offering to pray, just like I used to with my patients, the patients don't hold back, oh, doctor, you know, I'm not here for the religious stuff. No. What happens is they open up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love the fact that you're making yourself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Pe- people are not impressed by our strengths. They're actually impressed by our weaknesses. And by making yourself vulnerable or weak, being like sheep among wolves is what Jesus said in Luke 10. You actually disarm people and create an environment where it's easy for them to open up about the deeper needs in their lives. We are talking today with Tony and Felicity Dale. They've written a great book along with George Barna called Small is Big, Unleashing the Power of Intentionally Small Churches. Love to give you a copy of it. Call the listener line today, 866-713-9675, 866-713-9675. That's 866-713-WORK. Love to give you a, cop, a copy of this. What this book will do is it'll open your eyes up into the, the simplicity of what I be, what we believe Christ intended for church and the, the, the experience that, that we believe that Jesus intended for church where we all participate. And I think Felicity Dale, that's part of the, the deal is that we go to church today and maybe one or two people's spiritual gifts are celebrated during a service. Yet that's, I mean, yet we all have been given spiritual gifts as Christ followers. How in the, in this small church, in this house church experience, does everybody get to celebrate the spiritual gifts that they've been given? Well, there's opportunity for everybody to take part. It's not just, it's of a, it's a size where it's not even appropriate for one person to hog the whole show, although I'm sure that happens in some churches. But uh, it's, um, it's, there's an opportunity um, given to everybody. You know, what's God been doing in your life this week? Or uh, as you're praying, does anybody have a, you know, a word from the Lord for us today? Um, and you really expect everybody to, to participate. In fact, if some people are not participating, a sensitive facilitator will, will dr- deliberately draw them out and uh, mm-hmm. make sure that they, they've been able to express whatever it is that's on their heart. And often those quieter people, what they say is actually superbly <laughs> relevant and absolutely, you know, from the Lord. So mm-hmm. we've, we've learned that you, you definitely try and include everybody. So is this different than a, I mean, a lot of people listening are in small groups, Mm -hmm. you know, as part of their larger church experience, they're in small groups. 
Is small group different than small house church? They both look at each other. We're on radio, though. You can't just keep looking at each other. We do need to talk. Well, you know what? One of the, I'm going to say something before she answers that question. One of the things that I think that a lot of people, it's hard to put defining on any of this because, number one, it's not a denomination. It's not an organization. It's not um, something that can be calculated and tabulated. And um, so... One of the things that I think I've learned, and um, you can kind of speak to this with that that question, is you know, there, is there a right or wrong? You know, in in trying to just walk out what God is asking someone to do, and I, I suppose when our flesh gets in the way, we can always go wrong. You know, but but there's not a set of you know, this is how we we need to meet on Sunday mornings. We need to do, mm-hmm. but um, you mean you can do house church on a different day than Sunday morning? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it means you could lie in on Sunday morning. There wow. you go. Uh, that's right. Martha, you were having a conversation with Felicity, but we ran out of time. I want to be, be able to pick that back up and the two of them, they can look at each other and figure out who's going to answer the question. Well, I just think that um, for number one, for our listeners, is this whole concept of home church, simple church, um, the Acts church, you know, what is what is it that God wants me to be doing um, we need to realize that it's not part of like a, it's not, it's a non-structured, structured kind of a thing. You know, there's not one denomination. There's not an, a headquarters that you can go to and, you know, all of those kinds of things. So I think it's, it's an important, um, you know, we're just experiencing and exploring this. So Tony, what can you add to that conversation? Well, it probably goes back to something that uh, you, you mentioned earlier. Uh, when you said that on a, a previous broadcast, I'd said we're learning to be church yeah. rather than to do church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jim's question is, is the small group, the, the life group or care group or whatever right. it might be called in a church, is, is that a church? Well, in our perspective, the answer would be yes. Uh, but that doesn't really mean that those people are experiencing church there mm-hmm. because most small groups uh, as a part of a, a more classic environment, church environment, uh, are designed really to funnel people back into the big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so typically they might, for example, discuss whatever the pastor shared on Sunday or something along that line. It, it's part of a program. Mm-hmm. Uh, that program may be a real blessing. The small groups usually are a real blessing. I love the fact that many uh, larger churches are using small groups. I think that's a a really important step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, But from our perspective, uh, to just view that as sort of a, a function, a tool within the larger church environment misses out on so much of what the New Testament communicates. Mm -hmm. Because actually, I think most of the New Testament can barely be understood outside of the context that actually church is small groups of people. It's like the New Testament is written through a house church lens. Uh, so if you look at the, the love one another's, you know, care for one another's, bear ye one another's burdens. There, there isn't much practical way to do that with 50 or 100 or 500 or 5,000. 
uh, you have to break it down into something smaller. Uh, and that's why when you then begin to look at passages like Felicity mentioned, you know, 1 Corinthians 14, when you come together, each one has. Well, if there are a thousand of you coming together, you might have something, but there really is no way to share it unless you do what some churches do, which is maybe break you into small groups of two or three, but just for a minute or two. <laughs> uh, and, and that's precious and it's valuable. One, one loves to see that step in that direction. But how about if we just accepted that actually that was really church? Uh, and so now what we might experience, you know, after this interview and the four of us go out for lunch together and Jesus is in the midst and we're exploring what that looks like, that's church. Uh, and that's what we'd love to be able to communicate to people mm. that we move into that sort of experience. But Felicity, how do we deal with the church guilt? Because if I am not in church on a Sunday morning and yet I've had an amazing church experience at work several days, over lunch several days, and in my small group experience, wherever that may be, I still feel guilty for not being in church on Sunday. What do I do with that? You live through it. <laughs> it takes a long time, a long time before you don't have that sort of Sunday morning expectation that you're going to dress, get dressed in your finest clothes. And, well, I don't ever do that, but okay. <laughs> and head off, you know, head off, you know, in the car uh, to church. Uh, that, that that takes, I think, a work of the Holy Spirit to sort of, uh, before, the, before that isn't a, a, a situation. But it's a thing, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a thing. And, and a lot of people listening today are going, I do experience church at work. Ever since I've been listening to I work, Ram, I understand my workplace on mission field. So people understand that. And they've, they've had experiences like we had the last time we were on your dinner table where a bunch of Christ followers got together and they just shared life. And that was church. But yet there's still that guilt. Why weren't you in the Four Walls Church on Sunday morning? I mean, that's, I just, I want to know, because I personally struggle with that because we get to experience church five days a week as we interview people. And when we go on these road trips, we get to sometimes interview 20 people or it's just, it's incredible. So I'm, I have a couple of thoughts I'm wrestling around in my head because I'm trying to think from the listener's vantage point. And number one, we're not saying that everybody should leave their churches. You know, that is not, you know, this is a, this is, um, just opening the door to conversation about what might be what somebody needs in their own life. But one of the things that you said very early on in the show, Felicity, that I want to go back to is that you guys spend a lot of time in, in your home churches um, with not yet Christ followers. And that is um, something I want to just really kind of explore because tell us what that looks like and why that is such a, you know, we, we think of going to church, you're going with a bunch of believers and you're just going to grow in your faith and, you know, so what is this whole concept of actually sharing this space with our um, pre-Christians, as we like to call mm -hmm. them? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and we, we just love to do that. And what's interesting is that if somebody comes, becomes a, a follower of Jesus within that context, you know, we've sometimes, uh, a long time ago, we, we actually had celebrations once a month. And the people that have become uh, Christians within a small group context, they just did not understand why one would have a, a big church. Why, you know, what was the purpose of it? Why were mm -hmm. we doing this? It just was so foreign to them. So, so I think that for people who have been brought up in the church, who've become Christians in the big church, that's what they know. And that's, that's wonderful. And God is using that. And God is, um, you know, helping people grow within that context. But that for so many people who will no, no 
ne- never darken the door of a church yeah. building, either because they've been hurt or because they don't see it as relevant, or because they're friend- afraid of what their friends will say. Then for them, it's it's totally relevant to get together within these smaller groups, wherever it might be, wherever mm-hmm. people are doing life. And I think that's if we want to see the world reached for Jesus, I think we're more likely to see it within a small group, multiplying church type context than we are uh, with people going into a traditional church. Mm. Tony. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add to that is that uh, there's something incredibly powerful uh, about being surrounded by Mm -hmm. non-Christians. If you think about it, the, the Christian who tends to be most vibrant about their faith is the brand new believer. Yeah. Uh, and they have a sphere of influence that they're already touching all their existing friends, their family, whatever that might be. And when you look at these rapidly growing house church movements around the world, it can do that because rather like throwing a pebble into the water, what's happening is it's constantly expanding at the fringes. We tend to celebrate, you know, in, in the West, the, the, the growth of the really big. And, and we think it's incredible when a church grows from 8,000 to 10,000. And, you know, we write about it in our uh, magazines and, you know, celebrate it as having those pastors speak at our conferences. Uh, and that's wonderful. Absolutely. We praise the Lord for that. But, you know, in the small context, it's far easier to go from five to ten than it is from 5,000 to 10,000. And so you have enough groups of five becoming 10, and they're constantly expanding at the fringes where new groups are, are growing out of the old, not for the old to get bigger, but for more and more home churches or cafe churches or work churches or churches in the soccer club or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Now you see something that actually can multiply endlessly. Uh, And that is what is happening around the world. Enormous, incredible acceleration of, uh, of church growth through very small groups multiplying. I would love to give you a copy of Tony and Felicity's book, Small is big, unleashing the power of intentionally small churches. Call the call the listener line. I work for him. Listener line eight six six seven one three ninety six seventy five eight six six seven one three work. All right, as we finish up the conversation, Felicity, encourage people. The, the there's power in the small church because everybody's got spiritual gifts that can be shared, and in a small church, that's possible. Explain explain how people can get started doing this. Well, um, the easiest way to do it is just to gather a few friends and to, to, to start. Um, especially if you can, if, if some of your friends don't know the Lord already, just say, Hey, we'd love to get together and share our experience with God or whatever it might be. We'd love to hear what you, what, what your experience with God is. People who don't know the Lord will have God stories. And we don't just need to be sharing ours. We need to be hearing theirs. And from there, it's so easy. To say, well, you know, how about we study the, uh, you know, this this book on spirituality together? Here, look, you present them with, you know, a New Testament, whatever it might be, and you can. It's very easy to do that, um, and 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 from there, you know, the church just develops. Mm, I love that, Tony and Felicity Dale. Thanks for hosting us here in Austin, Texas. Thanks for being an I work for him today. Thanks for talking about small church. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Make sure you check them out online, sedera.com, sedera.com. If you want to experience church in your health care, 
How about Sedera.com? It's amazing. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's definitely our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.